Well, hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community. Mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher Poets John Branshaw of Westport, Washington, and Brad Warren of Seattle, Washington, with an introduction by MC Joel Miller. This set was recorded at the 1015 Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's the show. So we are missing an individual for this next set. Uh, was taken either by weather or Delta Airlines, I'm not sure. Um, so we're going to go to the second person. I'm going to introduce John Branshaw, everybody. Uh, commercial fish the waters from Oregon to Alaska for 42 years. He's retired from fishing, now living in Westport, Washington, drives truck for Ocean Gold Seafood, feeding America one fish stick at a time. Big welcome for the Dean of Dungy, the Gabtooth Crabber, John Branshaw. Boy, that's bright lights there, but I can handle this. Um, thanks for all coming here this weekend, folks. Uh, us Fisher Poets, <coughs> all of us, we, we appreciate it. We appreciate the support. Um, during the pandemic, uh, we went virtual. And uh, I didn't sit on my hands, so I, uh, I still wanted to perform. So I, I contacted the uh, organizers of the Durango Cowboy Poets Association. They have a a poet fest in Durango, Colorado, for cowboys. And when I say organizers, I called my cousin. She's the director of their association. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, Linda, I'd really like to come to Durango and, uh, and perform. She goes, well, Johnny, <clears throat> it's cowboy poetry. Uh, we celebrate our Western culture and heritage. And I explained to her, we got a guy named uh, Ron McDaniel that comes to Astoria every year, and uh, he's a cowboy, and everybody seems to enjoy him. I think we should have a cultural exchange. <laughs> so she relented, and she says, I tell you what, you're not going to be a featured reader, uh, but we'll put you on the open mic, and you can do a couple poems. So I went there, and I, I did some poetry out, outside in a courtyard on a Saturday afternoon. It was beautiful, fall colors, uh, had a decent crowd, and I got a chance to do about four or five poems, and uh, they seemed to like me. And my, my cousin came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, that was pretty good. I tell you what, you can come back next year, but I want you to write a cowboy-inspired poem. So I did. This poem is called Back to Durango. I came back to Durango, and this time I brought my net. But all I see is mountains and snow. There is no place to set. You know, I spent my life on the ocean, breathing that ocean air. But up here in your mountains, there is no air to spare. So I ran into some cowboys who were playing cards. Surely, they would show me where to set. They said, sit down, son. Relax and place a bet. You know, I didn't win much that night. I couldn't get a decent hand, but I listened to their stories and I, I learned about their land. Our, our lives were a lot alike, we all agreed. Cowboys, they live off the land. Myself, I farm the sea. You know, it was a life that brings us happiness of days well spent. When we lay down at night, we are content. You know, those cowboys, they're not Yellowstone. Me, I'm not the deadliest catch. What Ron and I, when we're on stage, we're the real thing. That's what you get. 
You know, I'll probably go back to Durango. I don't think I'll bring my net. This time I'll find those cowboys and play some cards, and maybe this time I'll win that bet. That's back to Durango. I'm, uh, I'm dusting off a couple of poems I wrote years ago, and uh, you know I had to memorize back then, but memory fails me, so I'm gonna have to read these. Um, I commercial fished for 42 years, and uh, I ran my father's boat. I ran some different boats. I crewed on decks. You know something? I crewed with so many deckhands, I forgot the names of half of them. But anyway, this one kid, he made an impression on me. He he came down to my uh, my crab boat in Westport there, the Caronel. It was a little day boat, a little 36-footer. We had a 300-pot limit. We just fished Grace Harbor area and out in front. And this kid named Willie Beppu showed up on my boat one day, and I, I hadn't hired a crew. And uh, he asked me for a job, and well, I wrote a poem about it. It's called Willie Was a Greenhorn. Willie was a greenhorn. You know, he pounded the docks. You know, he wore out a pair of extra tufts before he got his first job. You know, he stopped by my boat. And what did I see? It was a greenhorn, greener than green. He was grinning back at me. I said, you look kind of skinny. Can you lift a crab pot? He said, show me one looks like Skipper and I'll, I'll give her what I got. You know, called a hunch. Maybe it was just a gut feeling. But I gave Willie a job. I thought I'd try him out for the season. The very first day of fishing, we went out on the flood. He took a buoy stick to the face. He was covered in blood. Well, we patched him up. We kept on fishing. Willie was tough. There was no bitching. You know, Willie worked hard all that year, and he finished the season. I think he's coming back next year for all the right reasons. That's Willie was a greenhorn. Now, all my stories are true. I think you know that. I might embellish a few things, but pretty much they all are. But this is kind of an interesting poem I wrote a few years back. Uh, it's about the, the toilet on a boat, which we call a head. It's called Heads Up. You know, I've sat on a throne. I've sat on a five-gallon pail. Every boat, every head on a boat has a story to tell. You know, a working head, it's a necessary function. With improper handling, you can reach critical junction. You know, clogged pipes, they'll make an overflowing mess, and it'll surely put your stomach to the test. You're using too much toilet paper, I preach to the crew. One square will work. Four squares, I feel, will surely do. <laughs> you know, I crewed on the max. That head had a stuck flapper. Oh, when that boat took a roll, you'd pity the guy on the crapper. <laughs> you know, we had a name for that head. Yep, we named it after the skipper. We called it Swen's Revenge because of that blowing shitter. <laughs> Alas, one more story about a crapper was heading south a few years ago when we had that disaster. The kid had done an engine room check and he woke me from a dead sleep. He says a pipe has come unloose in the engine room and the poo, it's beginning to seep. Well, we pushed her in place and we wired her up, both of us. We're about to throw up, but the line was unplugged, and the bowl, it overflowed, so I grabbed the deck hose, and I, I gave her a blow. It made a mess, but the line was unplugged. South of Vancouver Island, the Alma Jane chugged. <laughs> Well,
like I said, all my stories are true. And this next one is kind of interesting. It's about an old tender from Cordova, Alaska, and it was called the Salmo Point. And this is the story of its last voyage. It's called The Last Voyage of the Salmo Point. The Last Voyage of the Salmo Point. Now that is a story to tell. I was one of the last ones to see that boat. I remember it well. She was sitting behind Wingham, swinging on the hook. What was under her hatches that night? I would have liked to take a look. You know that old boat? She'd packed a lot in her day. Herring, crab, just about every bay. You know, I don't know why that night, but they pulled the hook. I guess they were going to go around the Cape there and, uh, and take a look. Oh, a terrible gale. It was, it was blowing that night. Waves crashed over their decks. It was a terrible fright. Well, what happens next? Nobody really knows. But the boat, it was sinking quickly, as the story goes. Well, a mayday was called, and the raft was tossed, and the Salmo had slid under the seas. A total loss. The crew, they drifted for a while, and then the Coast Guard picked them up. Soon they were on the beach, and they were drinking a hot cup. You know, a few years went by, and the sinking was mostly forgotten. But the Salmo's load was breaking up. Yep, it was floating up from the bottom. Yep, the Salmo's load, it was washing ashore, and nobody really knew about it. Tell a guy out deer hunting, he stumbled upon it. Well, he was a law-abiding citizen, so he brought his fine to the cops in town. Soon the rumors hit the streets. That was killer weed that he had found. There was only a few days left of the deer hunting season, but the harbor was soon empty. That must have been the reason. You know, not too many bucks were shot those next few days. Most guys just sat in the wheelhouse in a blue smoky haze. But for the next few weeks, the beachcombing was hot. People were stumbling around the beaches and they were looking for that killer pot. Then the feds, they got wind of things and they put the beachcombing to a stop. Yep, they flew the beaches with those Black Hawk, Black Hawk helicopters and they, they scooped up all that pot. Well, the beaches were soon clean and the town, it lived another day. And a guy sat at the end of the bar at the Alaskan and smiled and said to himself, I won't piss this spill away. That's Last Voyage. Okay, let me find this one here. Just give me a second. Oh, there it is. Um, this poem I just wrote a few months ago. And uh, I tried to make fun of it, but it's pretty damn serious. Um, and at the end, I'll give you a little public service announcement and try to tie it all in. It's called, He Escaped in His Underwear and Extra Tufts. It was a dark, stormy night at the Westport Marina. I was at the Harbor Resort with my sweet senorita. And in that warm bed, she lay asleep in my arms. Through the fog of my dream, I heard an alarm. You know, I couldn't get that ringing out of my head. So I jumped up. I rolled out of bed. Once I stood up, it was perfectly clear. I smelled smoke, and I felt fear. Yes, the harbor resort was on fire. That old building was done. I grabbed my phone. I dialed 911. I awoke my lady, and she dressed in a rush. As the smoke filled the room, we both ran out, me in my underwear, and extra tufts. 
That's it. What happened while we're sleeping at 3 o'clock in the morning, the building caught fire. And the beeping of that alarm was the smoke detector. The smoke detector saved my life. Because I hadn't heard that, I wouldn't be up here telling stories tonight. So I beg all of you, when you go home after this weekend and having a good time, check the batteries in your smoke detectors. And if your smoke detectors are expired and need to be replaced, replace them. Because it may save your life. <laughs> yeah, my, my girl's over there, and uh, I, I'm, we were bonded through trauma because we just started dating a few weeks earlier. And uh, so she lived there, and since her house burnt down, I'm, I'm blessed to have her and her dog live with me now. I love you, Trish. I love you, too. Okay, um, let's, uh, let's change it up a bit. Anybody ever watch that TV show, Deadliest Catch? Do you like it? Well, it's a bunch of crap, okay? Nope, nobody from the Discovery Channel is here tonight. Anyways, uh, I'm going to tell you a poem called Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch. It's a show on your television. Have you saw it yet? No, oh, a million square miles. Unpredictable waters. It's those Highlander king crabbers. They're, they're making the dollars. And you know, they're getting rich, but it's not just their catch. It's the merchandising, the logos, and all the side deals they fetch. You know, they're all over TV. Cash Cab, The View. You know, Sig was on Martha Stewart last week. He was making his mom's codhead stew. There was Phil, and there's Jonathan, and the rest of the crews. When they're not out fishing, they'll be in Dutch. They'll be toasting Phil with a brew. You know, it's that designer rain gear and those cowboy hats, smoking marb reds. That's where Edgar's at. Deadliest Catch. It's a show for all ages, and you can catch it on the Discovery Channel. It'll help pay those guys' wages. That's Deadliest Catch. As, as Joel said, I, I crab fished for 42 years. I, I fished with my father. And, uh, but now I work for Ocean Gold Seafoods, and I, I drive a, uh, in the summertime, I drive a big, a big flatbed. It holds 10 totes. Each tote weighs 1,500 pounds, and I haul 15,000 pounds of hake across the street over to the cold storage. It's about a six-block round trip. Make about 20 trips a day, haul about 300,000 pounds a day. Yeah, I'll get to that, honey. And, uh, and in the wintertime, I, uh, I, my job even gets tougher. I, I drive a semi. Uh, across the street. It takes them about four hours to fill it. And uh, then they call me up. And I, I work from home now. And they say, Johnny, come down and move your truck. And I go down there and I hop in the semi and I drive it across the street and spin it around and back it into the bay because I have a CDL and I drive a big truck. <laughs> That's, it's a fun job. Anyway, so I've written some cannery poems is what I'm getting to. And uh, I wrote this one called uh, Cat Food Express I'd like to share with you if you'd like to hear that. Okay, Crabber went a truckin' that morning. Oh, the docks, they were a mess. There was totes everywhere, full of unmarketable bycatch. You see, the sea clipper had caught a bunch of pollock, but it was too small to fillet. Marketing, they'd have to be creative to save the cannery's house that day. So a few phone calls were made, and a deal was soon signed. Perina Pep Foods in Nebraska would buy it, and it'd feed America's felines. So Crabber went a truckin'. <laughs> I think you know the rest. Soon he was driving the Cat Food Express. Yep, he hauled that cat food. He hauled it all day. They put it inside fiber totes into the freezer bay. The truckers, they sit idling at the loading dock. Soon they'll be heading to the heartland, the Midwest. They're waiting for the Crabber that went a truckin'. He's driving. The Cat Food Express. <laughs> Can I type one more? Okay. Um, 
Now, Joel introduced me as the, the gap tooth crabber, and as you might notice, uh, I'm missing a tooth in front of me here. Well, I'm going to tell him that story, okay? Just hush it, okay? Um, anyways, uh, I have a flipper, but uh, on Wednesday, I put my flipper on the coffee table, and uh, when I came home from work, it was gone, and Cody was the only one there, so I'm pretty sure he ate it. Okay. Okay, anyway. Maybe I just lost it. I carved up his poop for the next two days looking for it, though. I'm telling you the truth. Okay, let's call Gap Tooth Grabber. And just imagine I have a tooth in here, okay, when I, when I start the poem. Those Gap Tooth Grabbers, that's what you always see. I take out my tooth. <laughs> well, I'm a Gap Tooth Grabber. What do you think of me? Okay, I put it back in. Well, everybody asked me, so John, how did that happen? Well, let me tell you the story, folks. It happened out crabbing. Oh, it was a beautiful day on the ocean. There was a brisk east wind. My buoys, they were, they were hanging off the beach. So I had to turn my boat in. Oh, the gear was a mess. A big swell had screwed us. But we were doing our best. Uh, there was just the two of us. The sun was in my eyes, and I spotted that buoy. I put her in the smoke hole and shouted, grab Louie, throttled it back, and I grabbed that buoy. Yep, I hauled her aboard with all of my fury. Well, I put her in the block, and then I dropped my stick. You know that sound of a gun? It bounced off the rail, and it, it smacked me in the lip. Now Van, he usually grabs the stick. I guess he was busy. Oh, my mouth, it was a throb, and I was getting dizzy. But we hauled her aboard, and we baited her up. I thought I'd run inside the galley, you know, for a quick checkup. I looked in the mirror, and what did I see? It was that gap tooth grabber, and he was grinning back at me. Once again, folks, thank you so much for putting up with me and letting me do a couple extra poems tonight. Um, I really enjoy coming here. This is my 20th year at Fisher Poets. and uh, It's amazing how that time is flowing because it seems like just yesterday when John Broderick approached me at open mic and where I did a couple poems and said, come back next year. So thank you, John Broderick for having me come back. Thank you. Thank you. John Branshaw, that was great. Next up is my fellow MC and friend, Brad Warren. Brad started writing songs uh, long before he knew better. Um, fished in Southeast Alaska. He's ran Pacific Fishing Magazine and now runs Global Ocean Health. Give a warm welcome, Brad Warren. All right. Let's see if we can... Stick this over here. All right. Thank you all for being here. This thing extended. Yeah. All right. We're going to start with one called The Great Fisher Poets Brawl. There are uh, uh, certain guilty parties here tonight, and uh, I, 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 I won't. Uh, I won't implicate them any further until the song does. Um, um.
if I can't read it, um, it ain't gonna work. Um, out, took the mic and stared at the crowd. Y'all call yourselves Fisher Poets. Well, I'll be picking you clowns from my teeth. You gonna read or just duck behind your beer like some snapper in a reef? enough squirt mind your place in the food chain growled big pat you can't eat fisher poets they're the reason we all came clem stark raised a hand in the air the room fell into a washful hush clem took the stage like a rattler takes his lair yep uh, might be just a trick of light, but some folks claim they saw lightning in his hair. The old builder of poems planted himself in front of Free Willy with a crafty smile. No one could read one part kindness, one part switchblade. Then he spun to face the crowd. Fisher Poets, now's your time. Don't be a tease. No pushing, no shoving, no biting, no spitting, please. Well, Mobile Stern was first to rise. She looked Willie up and down. What makes you so free? You flying low? Or is that just the breeze fluttering your britches? Looks like you might get chilly if you ain't dropped a load yet. You will, Mr. Willie. Well, that's when the melee busted loose and threw the smashed up chairs and the fists and shouts. A flying lasso sailed the room and a yank mobile stern off the stage. And then a tall cowboy, more mustache than face, leapt up to the mic and man, he looked enraged. I can't let a woman show me up. I'm the best there ever was. Now nah, you're just a harpoon. Big Pat hurled him clear through the saloon. And even now, Great Fisher poets say they can still see his boots sticking out through the glass. If you get lost, just look for the long line of Astoria cowgirls waiting to kick his ass. Well, Free Willie took in a sea of shouts and fists, and he just could not resist. He got some fine words. But that don't hang a broom in the rigging. That's when a bull sea lion barreled in and it pinned Willie to the floor. You smell good, are you my favorite little Harry? If that big tusk bull was in the mood, a flash of black and white broke the spell, big as a rail car. The killer whale came for food, gnashing teeth like a row of spear points. You got sea lions in this joint? Let me add them, that's my only wish. Why let a tasted pinniped steal your fish? Well, a stellar slunk out the back, and a guy named Broderick finally stood. He stepped up to the pearly rack, I just got a few words, so listen good. Now, I need you, thank you for clearing out the riffraff. I need you to watch the door. You can have all the sea lions. Just don't eat the fisher poets. 
kindly. I, uh, uh, I had a little fun on that one. And, and actually, I have a co-writer, Jeff Carr, has helped with that. Uh, he, all the funny parts, really, are from him. Um, he's, uh, uh, he's a great guy to write with. Um, I'm going to do a song some folks here may have heard. It's called What Little Kindness. And um, this song was born in uh, 2017. Um, and, uh, you know, on the waterfront, uh, that November 2016 election had a pretty decided effect. Um, a lot of companies around here, up and down the coast and elsewhere, a lot of the workforce just didn't show up again the day after that election. Um, and they, um, they knew who they were working for, and they just didn't feel safe. And, you know, you remember who it was who just elected president and what he was saying about immigrants. The immigrants built the waterfront. Finns and Swedes built this one. Norwegians, Finns, and Swedes built most of Ballard. I sat at their knees listening to them for most of my life. And now I've, I've been listening to a, a sort of new waves of people who come and, and work on the back deck and in the warehouses and make it all happen. And they're coming from places like Samoa and Micronesia. They're coming from Africa. And they're doing the same almost impossible work. And they're not complaining. And they're going to have the same stories to tell the rest of us do. sat down at a table, laid his forehead on his arms, skin like coffee, hair like coal, a long way from the farm. Come along a road, hoping, hoping to fish for gold, fish for gold. Pound the ducks all day. Hoping some skipper needs a hand Hoping to find a berth Get some grub Earn a stake and leave dry land Start of every season They walk in here at dusk Duffel full of bluff and hope They get a cup of joe Then let it rust And if it's late Or if it's cold Well sometimes I let them stay Man, something. What if that kid's Jesus? Who the hell would ever know? Well, he might be turning loaves and fishes. What little kindness would we show? days, people come from all around the world just to pack fish. Must be hungry back their way. Who hunts people anyway? And who comes into my shop looking for some bone-tired kid so worn down from trying? He's just zipped his coat right up on his head so he can close his eyes and hope he doesn't wake up dead no he doesn't wake up dead 
Well, yeah, I gotta say he made a strange sight Sitting on that chair like a headless horseman Maybe gave someone a scare That's true, we get some characters here Here at the Net Shop Cafe Well, I wouldn't have it any other way I don't know who called immigration, but when I looked up, there were two. They were standing over that boy saying, open up your coat, please put your hands in plain view. I said, gentlemen, it's closing time. You can stay or you can go, but if you're troubling my customers, well, there's one thing I want to know. When that boy you're hunting finds you, tell me. What kindness will he show? What if that kid's Jesus? Neither one of you to know. Yeah, that kid, he's been earning loaves and fishes. Ain't there some grace that we could show? See that lantern in the window? It burns both day and night. Skeppers coming in from sea, though they can steer home by that light. Yeah, the one you're seeking lives near. He comes in here to pray. No, you don't need a passport. Ain't no ticket to pay. would ever know he might be turning loaves and fishes what little kindness would we show what a little kindness what little kindness would we show What little kindness would we show? The last one of the Samoans I met was a chief from Samoa with 10 kids, seven still living at home. And uh, he fished for a while on ground fish boats up in Alaska. Uh, and then he went to work in a warehouse. The guy was about the size of a forklift. And he could move more boxes than anybody else in the, in the, in the plant by a factor of like three. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he was the fastest worker they ever had. And um, that supported seven kids and you know he had this guy was a giant and uh, he just had that that manner of some people who just like they, they at at rest they are radiating peace it's something to behold and he was one of those people and it was it was a privilege it was an honor to meet him and I thought this is not who we should be barring the door to this is who we need to welcome this is why we have the lady in the harbor. Um, yeah. Thank you. I grew up in one of thousands of families that lost their rudder, lost the meaning of life when the dams went in and the fish went out. Um, as you all know, whole races of fish disappeared from this river next to us. And uh, for my grandparents, that was like somebody burned down the church that they really belonged to. Um, they fed themselves and their neighbors through the Depression. They, uh, like a lot of people did in this town, people I knew here. Um, and they, um, uh, they arrived at mid-century when I showed up. Uh, in, 
in a state of rage and silence. They couldn't speak. These things were unspeakable. And I have a curious little kid asking, where are the fish? How do we, how, where, how can I, wait, tell me more about salmon. Let's go see. It was, it was, it was impossible for them. This, um, uh, I, this rage that they couldn't express communicated itself to me and, and changed my life. I basically resolved that probably about the age of seven, I'm going to go fix this. I, st I still haven't learned any better. I, like I keep writing songs, I haven't learned any better than doing that either. And I, I'm still doing it. That's why I run this outfit called Global Ocean Health. We're here to make sure the ocean still can make dinner. And uh, that's mostly about stopping pollution. Uh, that's you know, the biggest problems we have come from billions of tons of carbon dioxide every year from our smokestacks and tailpipes. And we are unhinging the ocean's ability to make dinner. Uh, it's, um, if, if you get a chance and you get to hear Duncan Berry's poetry about this very issue, catch him. It's right in the pocket. He's, he's reading tonight. Um, my grandfather's river fed every family in town fish run through our bloodline deep steady and sound deep steady and sound deep steady and sound that's a lion you're welcome to jump in i'll do it again Sound. 
I think I can do a real short one. Is that right? Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know how long this is. I don't think it's very long. But um, this one's called Five O'Clock Shadow. And um, the waterfront's full of wonders, and it's um, it's an awful lot of beauty and things to be proud of and delighted by. And there's also the guys I knew who found the direct path from the paycheck in Bristol Bay to the white powder. And um, some of them became people who didn't want to know themselves anymore. Uh, they became people whose wives showed up looking like somebody used them for a war ground. And uh, there's a there's a dark other side. Um, and in the five o'clock shadow, it all comes out. Oh, 
was young and proud till he sat down for a round with a guy who plays for keeps all oh, the secrets you could know at the five o'clock shadow Five o'clock shadow. Some folks say he's on the lamb. Well, the truth is, well, I ain't saying. But if you're asking me who's paying, you sure you want to know? Just take a look around and guess. One's a federal, he's looking high and low for the five o'clock shadow. 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 Thank you so much. Here's Joel. Oh, that was amazing. Brad, Warren, everybody. Thank you guys so much, Brad. Thank you. Wonderful. We're, uh, we're a couple minutes behind, but I'd rather be behind and let people do what they're doing than push people off stage, especially when they're that good. So we're going to regroup for a second. That was Fisher Poets John Branshaw and Brad Warren recorded at the 1015 Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to the Fisher Poetry Archive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow ye winds westerly, westerly blow. We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes.